Good morning, everyone. So good to have you here on December 30th. I thought some of you might be away in Fargo or Grand Forks, but here you are in church, so God bless you. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. D-Day, June 6, 1944. Pastor Allen, what on earth are you talking about? Why are you bringing this up at Christmas time? Let me just give you, uh, I'm going to use this as, a, as an illustration of what God did at Christmas time. Hitler provoked World War II, some of you will know this, when he invaded Poland on September 1st, 1939. It's estimated that some 85 million people died because of World War II. That includes soldiers and civilians, people who died of starvation because of the war. America didn't want to get involved in this. They wanted to stay out of it. They thought this was Europe's problem, and Europe was constantly getting into battles and skirmishes and wars. We, most of you have heard of World War I. That was a European battle. America said, enough, we don't want no part of this. But then something happened. The Japanese attacked America at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Some of you may know that. And this provoked the Americans to get involved and put an end to what had become what we call the Second World War. Now, American General Eisenhower got together with the generals and they put together their plan, their strategy to take back Europe. And so they set as the day, the beginning of this takeover of Europe as D-Day, June the 6th, 1944. D-Day, there's a lot of people that, that have got opinions as to why it was called D-Day, and it's interesting that there's not a lot written on the subject that, that tells us definitively why it's called D-Day. Uh, some called it the day of decision uh, or the day of death, death to Hitler. Uh, but the, from what I, what I could understand from, from what I studied, D-Day just represented the day. So the D stands for the day. Uh, when it would all come to an end. Now, uh, what, what I want you to see today is that Christmas Day really, really was, in fact, a spiritual D-Day. It was the day that God had picked out to bring an end to the entrenched forces of hell on this earth. Christmas Day was, in fact, D-Day. It was the beginning of the end of Satan's rule. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is right. Something I want us to understand today, and I know some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, why are we speaking about Christmas after Christmas? Well, you'll see in just a few moments why we're speaking about this on December 30th. For many churches, the preaching about Christmas ends on the Sunday before Christmas, but I'm going after Christmas, and I'm going to tell you why in a moment. So we recognize then with Christ's birth, God established a beachhead on this earth in the land of Palestine, or more specifically, in the town of Bethlehem. When the American and the British and, and the Canadian and all the allied forces decided to attack Hitler's Europe, they chose as their beachhead or their landing place uh, Normandy, one of the beaches in Normandy in northern France. And some of you have seen movies about this. 
Uh, maybe some of you have seen Saving Private Ryan, and it begins with the slaughter, the literal slaughter of thousands of young men uh, who, who literally are getting off one of these transports from Britain and over to Normandy. And even as they were still in the boat, the, the, the German snipers were killing them off. But here's what you need to know, is that there was a, a, a beach that had to be established, a place from which God would save the world through Jesus Christ. It's really critical that you and I understand that Christmas is not just about Santa Claus and getting presents and and turkey dinners and nice lights and warm fireplaces and stockings hung. It's about the end of Satan's rule on planet Earth. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about how Satan has tried to destroy what God wanted to do. What you need to understand is that in the spiritual realm, there is a major battle going on. And it's been going on for millennia. Satan has arrayed all his forces against God and his people. And that's why we see his attempted assassination on Jesus. And then before Jesus was born, we see the attempted assassination of all the Jewish people. So God establishes a beachhead, if you will, the Normandy beach, from which he will take back the earth. And so when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, understand that Bethlehem was the base from which God would take back the earth. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Jesus came to this earth to conquer Satan, to conquer every Hitler, every Stalin, every Osama bin Laden, every single man, woman, or child who sets himself up against God. Jesus came to take it all back to overwhelm and to overcome the darkness. Folks, I want you to think for a moment what Satan has robbed you of. Some of you have experienced great heartache and great sorrow at the hands of Satan, but the good news is that Jesus Christ has come to overcome the prince of this world. Jesus has come to give us life, to give us hope. Jesus has come to give us life, new life, abundant life, eternal life. This is what Christmas is all about. Now, Christmas really marks the beginning of Satan's rule. Christmas was, in fact, D-Day. From now on, whenever you hear of Christmas, you're gonna remember this message, I hope, and remember that Christmas Day is D-Day, the beginning of the end of Satan's rule, and we celebrate it every year. And there's no wonder then that Satan, with all his power, tries to convince our culture and our society that Jesus has nothing to do with Christmas. Have you noticed that? I told you how I looked, looked high and low for Christian greeting cards, Christmas cards. They're hard to find. It's happy holidays, season's greetings. It's snowflakes and Frosty the Snowman. How many know that none of these things has any power to change anything in your life? The only one who has the power to change anything in your life is Jesus Christ. Jesus really is the reason for this season. Christmas is D-Day. And Satan knew that his days were numbered. He was terrified when Jesus was born. And that's why we read We talked about this a few weeks ago, why Satan tries to have Jesus killed, but God in his mercy, in his grace, spared Christ by giving 
uh, Joseph and Mary warning through the angels to get to Egypt and to, to stay there till Herod was dead. Some of you know that. Christmas is a time to celebrate. We see here in this picture here, the allies invading Europe. On Christmas Day, Jesus invaded this earth. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Jesus invaded this earth. So let me talk about this for a moment, this, this birthday of Christ. Now, John tells us that God established a beachhead, a base for his operations in Bethlehem. And this is what we read in John chapter 1, verse 14. Remember, Matthew and Luke give us all, the, all of the, the trappings of, of Christmas that we're so used to, the, 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 the star and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and, of course, the Christmas chicken. Uh, <laughs> and some of you have been here for the last few weeks, you know what I'm talking about. Those who don't know what I'm talking about, I can explain it to you later. But in John's gospel, he gives a very different account of Christmas. And here's what John says. And the word became flesh and did tabernacle among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of an only begotten of a father, full of grace and truth. Some of you have read this many, many times, and you failed to recognize just how important, especially this verse is. I want you to see that word tabernacle. Really, um, it's, what, what it's saying in Greek is Jesus became a human being. This is the beginning of establishing his beachhead, his, his base of operations. He actually had to become a, a human being. Why did he have to become a human being? Because the first human beings failed. Adam and Eve failed against the attack of Satan. So Jesus, who is God, became a human being. What the first Adam couldn't do, the second Adam did do. So the first thing he did is he became a human being. He became flesh. And look at that. It says, and did tabernacle among us. In Greek, basically, it's saying he pitched his tent among us. Isn't that great? It doesn't say that in your Bible. It just said he dwelt among us. But I want you to see something here. He pitched his tent. Now, when the Allied forces attacked Europe, at Normandy, once they were able to overcome the German resistance at the, at, on the beaches, the first thing they did is what? They pitched their tents. Did you see that? They pitched their tents, and they began their base of operation to take back Europe from Hitler and his Nazis. So Jesus puts up his tent. He says, this is my base of operation. Israel is where I'm going to take back the world. And we beheld his glory, glory as of an only begotten of a father, full of grace and truth. The glory that, that John is referring to is, of course, what we would call in Old Testament times the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory is, in fact, the very presence of Almighty God. And I want to show you a slide that I've shown you maybe a year ago. Some of you will remember this. But if you look at this, you'll see that over the tabernacle, over what we call the Holy of Holies, the place where we find the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, a place where God dwelt on earth, we see this pillar of fire. 
And that pillar of fire is what we call the Shekinah glory or the presence of God. And I want you to see that encamped around the tabernacle are all the tribes of Israel. They're all, God is at the very core, at the very center of the Jewish people. And every time they came out of their tent, they would behold the glory of Almighty God. This is what John has in his mind when he talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth. We beheld the glory of God when he pitched his tent, his tabernacle. He tabernacled amongst us. And so God established his beachhead in Jerusalem through Jesus Christ in a body and in, in a province, in a country called Israel. Now, I want you to remember one of the famous verses of the Christmas season. We sing songs about it. We sing uh, carols about it. It comes from Matthew one twenty three, and it says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And of course, you know that Matthew is quoting the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. How many know that the coming of Jesus Christ was not an accident? This is by God's divine. It was predicted hundreds of years in advance. And Israel was looking for their redemption. Israel was looking for their Messiah, who was called the hope of the world. This is why we call it the beginning, hope is born. Jesus is the hope of Israel. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is your hope, and he's my hope. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so Jesus is born, Emmanuel, God with us. And here's what you need to understand, folks. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that God does not dwell in temples built by the hands of men. When you became a Christian, the Bible says his spirit came to dwell in you. This is why in Acts chapter 2, when the spirit of God came upon the believers, what do we see over the heads of those who, who were experiencing Pentecost? We see the flames of fire just like this representing God's presence resting upon his people and not just upon his people, but in his people. And every single one who asks Jesus into their heart, guess what now? You have become part of the beachhead through which God does his work on the earth. It began in Bethlehem. It began in Jerusalem. And it spread throughout the world to all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. The spirit of the living God dwells within you richly so that you are prepared and able to do the work of God, bringing hope to this world that dwells in darkness. Wow, that, my friends, is what Christmas is all about. Jesus invaded this world to liberate us from the hold of Satan. Just as the Allied forces invaded Europe to liberate the people from the hold of that satanic Hitler. Understand this, my friends. Understand that. God is with us and in us. And the work that God began through Jesus Christ continues through all who put their faith in Christ. Someone once said, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Someone once said, during this crisis, during these tsunamis and during these earthquakes, where's God? I'll tell you where God is. God shows up through God's people. 
And that's precisely why we're sending Dennis off to Burundi, because we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And God has established a beachhead in this earth through Jesus Christ. It began with Christ, and it continues through all of Christ's people. Now, it's important that you understand that when Jesus was born, he was born the Lamb of God. Does everybody understand that? Jesus is the Lamb of God. And what does the Lamb of God do? He takes away the sins of the earth. It's really important to understand this. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question, and some of you may think this is purely academic, but it's not. There's a, there's a, there's a reason I wanna share this with you. I'm asking a question. When did all this happen? When was Jesus born? Now, you all know that we celebrate Christmas December the 25th, but I think uh, some of you will know, hopefully more than some, will know that December 25th uh, is, is not the birth date of Christ. And the thing that gives us the clue to this is what we read about in Luke chapter two, when it says that the, that the shepherds were in their fields tending their sheep, guarding their sheep. Why were the shepherds out in the Uh, in their fields tending the sheep because it was lambing season. It was a season when little lambs were born. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that in December, Israel experiences winter. Did you know that? And it would have been too cold for a shepherd to be spending all night out of doors. And so we know that December is very likely not the time of the birth of Jesus Christ because there's no way that shepherds would have been out of doors. So then when was Jesus born? Well, let me tell you when the, when the lambing season was. It was in the spring, somewhere in between March and April in that season. That would have been the high time for lambing. And lambs were born one time a year in the spring. Now, here's what I think is so cool. The first ones to see the Lamb of God are shepherds. Isn't that amazing? It just makes sense that shepherds should be the first ones to see the Lamb of God that was born. That's why those shepherds were in their field. They were were helping the sheep deliver their little lambs. And of course, we know that at Christmas, at the time of Jesus' birth, he was in fact born the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the earth. Well, there's something even more significant that I want you to understand. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And here's what a lot of people don't know. Bethlehem was, in fact, the place where sheep were bred so that there would be enough sheep for sacrifices in Jerusalem. Bethlehem is very close to to Jerusalem. And by the way, Gloria and I and some of us here are going to be going to Israel at the end of Uh, March, beginning of April. If you'd like to go, please speak to Gloria after the service because there's room for a few more. We'd love to have you come with us. That would be a highlight for us to go with some of our folks from our church. But Bethlehem, hopefully we'll go there. Bethlehem was a place where they bred sheep for, for sacrifices in the temple of God. How many understand that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was the final sacrifice? that after the birth of Christ and after he laid down his life, after he gave his life and was sacrificed, there was no need for sacrifice after that. 
Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament, all of the laws, all the rules, all of the festivals that the Jewish people celebrated were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so we find the, uh, the little baby Jesus, the little lamb of God, being visited by shepherds. Beautiful, beautiful picture, isn't it? The shepherds visiting the lamb of God. Now, how do we know... Uh, how do we know that Jesus was born then? Well, just because uh, he's called the Passover lamb. Now, here's what you need to know about the Passover lamb. Passover happened on the 15th day of Nisan. Nisan is, a, is the first month in the Jewish calendar. Did everybody, I don't know if anybody knew that. Nisan, the first month in the Jewish calendar. This is really, really significant. It's important for you to understand. The 15th day of Nisan was Passover day. And the Bible said, and God says to the Jewish people that they must sacrifice a lamb that's one year old. And so if, it, if you're gonna get a one-year-old lamb, then it has to have been obviously a year before. So it's born at Passover. In fact, here's a scripture verse in Exodus 12, verse five. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male that's a year old. And so this is why we believe that, in fact, Jesus was born in Nisan, the first month of the Jewish calendar. Now, there's some real significance to this. I'm sure, I just want to share it with you quickly. On the 15th of Nisan, it was the, it was the Passover. On the 10th of Nisan, it was a day then all the people were told by God to receive, did you, see, did you hear that? To receive a lamb into their home. What do we say as Christians when, you, when we're asking you to become a Christian? We're asking you to receive Christ into your life. Are you getting the parallels here? It's thrilling. Now, does anybody know when the 10th of Nisan is? It's Palm Sunday. Jesus came to Jerusalem. He was going to the Father's house. He is going to be received into the Father's house as the Passover lamb on Palm Sunday, the 10th of Nisan. Every Jewish household had to take into their home a little baby lamb, or if you were poor, maybe a baby goat. But you took this little lamb into your life and you cuddled that little lamb, and because it was a, a new, it was relatively young. You're you're feeding that little lamb, and you're t you're, you're loving that little lamb. You es you establish a relationship with that lamb, and then what happens is that little lamb you you must slaughter that lamb. God wanted the people of Israel to understand how heinous was their sin, how horrible their sin was. God wanted the Israelite people to understand the price that was involved in paying the penalty for their son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was that little lamb that was given to take away your sin and mine. We don't talk about that at Christmas, do we? Because it's not... It's not very palatable. And yet, folks, that is really what Christmas is all about. And so here's Jesus, born in the month of Nisan. 
I haven't got time to get into all the background scholarship, but let me just tell you this, and you can research it yourself. There's many Christians and Jewish scholars who believe that, in fact, Jesus was born on the first of Nisan, the very first day of the first month of the Jewish religious calendar. Here's what God says in Exodus 12, verse 2. This month, Nisan, shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. It was considered their new year. But here's where it really gets really, really interesting. Jesus' birthday marks the beginning of a new creation. And many Jewish, believe, many Jewish uh, scholars believe that, in fact, the first of Nisan, in fact, represents the day of creation. Did you get that? They believe that the first of Nisan, the month of Nisan, is a celebration of the birth of Adam and Eve. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, Christ has become what? A new creation. Can we just stop there for a moment? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who was born marking the first day of the, of the first month of the new year, the one who was born representing the first day of creation. He's also the one who gives the recreation. Anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ is in fact born again, and they are a new creation. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now, folks. Because for some of us right now, we are living in our past. Our past haunts us. Our past is a, is a horrible thing that we try to forget. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. But here's what you need to understand. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, and he is your Lord and your Savior, what you need to know is that the old you is dead. You've heard me say this so many times, but there's still so many who still don't get this. When you became a, a Christian, when you put your faith in the one who is the representation of, of all things new, what, ha what happened is that you became a new creation so that I can talk about the old Alan Duncalf and this is the new Alan Duncalf. The old Alan Duncalf was a sinner, self-centered, selfish, spiteful, full of, full of revenge, vengeance, bitterness, hatred, but the new Alan Duncalf has been inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit given by Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who dwells within me richly. And for this reason, I can say, the old life is gone and a new life has begun in Christ. This, my friends, is what Christmas is all about. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you became a new creation. That's what Christmas is all about. When you surrender your life to the Lamb of God, who is Jesus, he makes everything new in your life. And this is what it means to be a Christian. 
It means that you are living in that new place. Now, here's the thing for so many people. So many of us say, well, I said the sinner's prayer and it's over. I had uh, coffee with a, a, a dear old friend uh, back about two weeks ago. And, uh, and my friend asked me, Alan, do you have any mentors? And the first person that came to my mind was a friend that I visit in England once a year. His name is Bruce. And one of the things he challenged me on, and I gotta be honest with you, it offended me at first. But he said to me, Alan, how many people in your congregation are converted? And I said, well, I think most of them are. And then he said this, are you sure? I said, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Am I sure? I mean, I'm not God. Well, then I went on to say this. He said, Alan, not everybody who claims to be a Christian is in fact a Christian. And if you're gonna be a shepherd of God's sheep, if you're gonna be an overseer, if you're gonna care for God's sheep, you need to know who they really are. This revolutionized my thinking. I began to recognize that my job as a pastor was not just to get people to say a sinner's prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin, come into my life, and that's it. I began to understand that, that becoming a born-again believer was not so much something that you and I do as much as it's something that God does in us. We call it regeneration. The power of Almighty God working in us so that we are born again. There's an old song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No, you didn't. You didn't decide to follow Jesus. God decided to call you unto himself. And in fact, Jesus says that. Everyone that, everyone, Jesus, everyone that, that God gave to the Son is safe in the Son. You read that yourself in John 17. It's important for you and I to understand this morning whether or not we are in fact truly converted, whether, in, whether in, in fact we really are a new creation in Christ. Because if you think today all I have to do is say a sinner's prayer and that's it, then you don't understand what it means to be truly converted. It's not something you do, it's something that God does in us and you respond in humility. You surrender to God, you say, God, I recognize today that I, left to myself, I'm an evil creature, self-centered, wants to put himself first or herself first. When you surrender to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, you become a brand new creation. And then you can say with the Apostle Paul, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. Folks, I want you to see one last thing before I close. Jesus is the Messiah of new beginnings. And this is why it's so critical that you spend time in the presence of God every day. Every time you come into the presence of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, the slate is washed clean. Some of you are sitting here today feeling discouraged, feeling I can't live this Christian life, and I'm gonna say to you, of course you can't live it. The apostles recognized, they said, who can live this life? It's impossible. And Jesus said, of course it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so you and I come into the presence of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, into the presence of the one who represents new life, new beginnings. 
and we experience his power manifested in us in a new way. And folks, it happens every day if you give God the time. This is why Jesus set for us an example that we should follow in his steps. What do we find Jesus doing? He's constantly getting away from the crowd to be alone in the presence of Almighty God. Folks, he set for us an example, and you and I need to get into the presence of Jesus Christ, the Messiah of new beginnings. You may, have, you may feel that, you, that 2018 has been an absolute disaster for you. You, your life has not been what it needs to be. You've, you, you've, you've not lived the way Jesus wants you to live. And Satan whispers in your ear and he tells you you're such a failure. Well, you tell Satan where to go. You tell him that I am following the, the Messiah of new beginnings. And all it takes, friends, is to get into the presence of the Messiah, confess your sin. And here's what the Bible says. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is why Jesus says anyone who wants to follow me must daily deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Every day we get into the presence of Messiah and we are washed clean. We are renewed. We are refreshed. As we enter a new year, Understand that Jesus, Jesus really is a representation of the new year. As you get into the presence of Jesus Christ, allow him to do his work in your life, recognizing, watch this folks, recognizing that Jesus' birth is D-Day, but V-Day is coming along. What's V-Day? It's Victory Day. The day when we can declare that Satan is defeated once and for all, having no power, no authority over any one of us. Hallelujah. This is ours through Christ. When the Allied forces finally defeated Hitler, they made their appearance at Buckingham Palace on on the balcony. I don't know. I know there's a few senior citizens. Anybody remember this? No? Well, I do. No, I don't. (laughs) In the middle of that picture is Winston Churchill, and to his left is the king, and on the right is the queen mother, and to the right of her, you can hardly see her, is Queen Elizabeth, who is our queen today. They, They stood there celebrating Victory Day in Europe, and this victory celebration spread to the streets It's VE Day. In that case, it's Victory in Europe Day. And all the people celebrated and rejoiced. And I'm gonna tell you folks, every time we celebrate Christmas, we're not just celebrating celebrating D-Day, we're also celebrating V-Day, Victory Day. The day when all of Satan's rule and all of the hell that he's brought to your life, all the destruction, all the thievery, all the death and the maiming that he has brought into your life will all be put to an end once and for all. Folks, that is what it's all about. And I wanna tell you today, folks, if your life, if you're not living in the victory that's ours in Christ, I'm gonna just beg you, plead with you, run to Jesus, run to him, and allow him to refresh your, your spirit, your heart. Confess your sins to him and start the new year off on the right foot, amen? Let's stand together, shall we? Hallelujah. Father, thank you today for the victory that's ours through Christ. 
Thank you, God, that when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating the day that God established a beachhead on this earth when Jesus Christ came forward to begin the, de- the final defeat of Satan. We thank you that Satan was defeated at the cross and his final destruction will be met on the day when Jesus Christ returns once and for all. We thank you, O oh God, that we, each and every one of us has a hope of a day of victory. Lord, when we will spend eternity with you and we will be free of all the sorrow, the suffering, the pain, the tears of this life. Thank you, God, for the hope that's ours through Christ. Father, I pray for everyone here today. If there's any, Lord, that are feeling defeated in their faith, God, I pray today would be the day when they would run to you and get reconnected with you, understanding that in the presence of the Messiah, the Shekinah glory, there is new life. There is refreshing and renewal. We thank you, God, that that is ours in Christ. And so we pray all that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen.